Thank you for listening to the Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, where the puck drops here. Let's get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a f- what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this place. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my plate. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six and take this. Hater. Difficult listening. 24 hours a day. It's WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, another delightful storm system at Ann Arbor on Saturday night. Just wanted to give a brain damage award out to all those drivers that think they need to talk on the cell phone. <laughs> when it's pure ice down there, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your eyes on the road and your hands upon the wheel. <laughs> Courtesy of Jim Morrison. That's one of the great uh, rock and roll songs of all time in my uh, book. Well, uh, and ironically, it contains some fairly solid driving advice <laughs> right there at the beginning, uh, no matter what you end up uh, doing when you get there. Um, yeah, people continue to amaze and disappoint me, not just for the rampant cell phone use during even ideal conditions can be a distraction, as has been proven by studies done here at the U of M uh, and elsewhere, uh, but the numbers of people who no longer feel that it makes any sense to even dust the snow off of the yeah, windows. Right. <laughs> I see that all the this time. This is a basic. I, that should be a, a ticketable offense. And I, you know, how could you know the cops were pulling you over, I guess? Maybe that's uh, some sort of subtle reason why it's done. But no, I fear it's sadly just ignorance, laziness, and complacency. And I kept looking for Charlie Sheen in, in, in driving one of those vehicles in front of me that was acting like an idiot. I guess he's been officially sacked today. We don't need to talk about him, but he is special. We'll always remember that one about him. No comment. No comment. Well, the curmudgeon section of Gray Matters, uh, the Gray Matters show tonight is over. We'll get off our high horse and (laughs) start leveling some real criticism here. Uh, And I might get a little curmudgeonly later. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Well. We'll get back to the curmudgeonly uh, section soon enough. I guess we can even start out with Mike Huckabee. Uh, what a bonehead going after Natalie Portman. This is uh, out of the Dan Quayle playbook of Murphy Brown. And, of course, she was a fictional television character. But uh, the man it has made some very bizarre statements over the past couple of weeks, I guess, as part of his book tour. And uh, he's uh, repeatedly brought up... Uh, Doubts about Obama, 
claims he was living in Kenya and has a anti-American view because uh, of the Mau Mau. Uh, That's Huckabee? Yeah. He's really bringing in some strange critiques of Obama, which, uh, you know, fit right in with the birther people and all that nonsense. Uh, A lawsuit today was thrown out once again regarding the birther movement. And, uh, by the way, the the current governor of Hawaii has... uh, definitively proven that Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. Uh, He knew uh, Barack Obama's parents at the time, and uh, this is apparently on the website and all that, but he says, yes, I saw a baby named Barack. I saw him. He existed. He was not born in a manger. There were not three wise men coming from the east bearing uh, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's mad? It's a balm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Monty Python. So uh, he gets a quick brain damage award. And well, the only reason he probably even found out that entirely trivial fact, mm-hmm. uh, certainly not to Natalie Portman and her family. Of course, this is the life they've chosen for themselves. Yeah. They are consenting adults, and it's entirely up to them whether or not they have children. And they're apparently getting married. Right. So, you know, <laughs> what's what's the beef? But it's bizarre that he should single her out for this sort of attention. He probably never even realized this about her. Uh, after all, uh, how many celebrities are, or, or even regular folk are in a similar situation? But, of course, her name emerged post-Oscars in a sort of a... A minor scandal involving a fashion designer who drunkenly blurted out some Mel Gibson-style anti-Semitisms, and Natalie Portman was asked about that at the Oscars. Entirely inappropriate on behalf of the reporter who gave her that question. That's not the proper venue to ask an actress a personal, you know, what is your personal response to this hateful comment? Duh. Um, It's offensive. That's (laughs) What right. She, she blasted said, the guy. He's been fired. He's and been fired, he's too. He's being prosecuted, by the way, because uh, France apparently has a specific has some law. stringent yeah. laws yeah. about uh, that sort of language. Uh, interesting, given their uh, Vichy history. I think it's a sort of yeah. a guilty retroactive, oops, our bad. And interesting sort of in policy. the context, by the way, of the Supreme Court uh, decision this past week regarding the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, this is the hate group that oh, yeah. goes around uh, the country to protest at funerals. Uh, they apparently spend $200,000 a year devoted to these funeral protests, which uh, borders on the bizarre. <laughs> but, of course, their right to uh, have these uh, protests, provided that they're within certain distances and uh, there there are certain quote-unquote regulations regarding this sort of activity, uh, was upheld by the Supreme Court 8-1 to one with uh, Scalito dissenting. And to quote another great movie, I hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> and, of course, we'll give a brain damage award. I noticed you've got something there about Newt. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, I don't know, I hope he's, he's finding a good pair of overalls because I think that's going to be the flannel shirt of the 2012 Newt Gingrich campaign. He needs those, oh, right. those overalls for <laughs> I Iowa. about that flannel shirt. <laughs> the flannel shirt of uh, Lamar Alexander, you know, right. trying to look like a... A little late for the grunge look. That was kind of early 90s. 
And it was retro 70s, the flannel right. shirt. I, I actually like flannel shirts. Oh, I wear, it's kind of a Midwestern standard. Uh, kinda, I wear Lakes. a lot of them uh, driving, a, driving a cab out there, and they're comfortable, so I, I got nothing against flannel shirts. <laughs> but uh, I think Newt definitely needs to find a good pair of overalls for the Iowa caucuses. You know? <laughs> needs to look like a pitchfork, and overalls would be perfect for him. Just pick out the right pipe, maybe get some rubber lining inside those pants, and uh, he thinks he's ready to go. Uh, but he could be crippled out the gate because he's been linked to uh, gambling, offshore gambling concerns yeah. with interests in the uh, Caribbean and Macau, that wonderful lawless place off the coast of China where anything goes. And uh, Newt's group, American Solutions, is uh, heavily funded by these offshore gambling concerns. Yeah, and just to borrow a gambling advertisement slogan... What stays in Macau stays in Macau. <laughs> if you go to the uh, crap tables or the gambling tables, uh, just remember, the house wins about 98% of the time. <laughs> the fix is in. <laughs> and apparently the fix is in with Newt because, you know, what more sure way to line the pockets of your tax-free political action committee than uh, with gambling money? It's yeah. a nonstop revenue of Technically legal, but let's face it, kind of spiritually ill-gotten gains. Well, and he's going to, as he puts it, talk about the future, not the past. <laughs> I heard a great joke. Oh, he's of, always been about the future. Yeah. Uh, is bizarre Alvin Toffler-influenced uh, future shock scenarios. Pretty uh, whimsical and fantastic. Yeah, and, and uh, I heard a great joke on a, on a public radio station. It's not all that appealing. <laughs> about Newt Gingrich in the future. The future question should be, when are you leaving your wife? <laughs> <laughs> Again? We need to know. We need to know. Only once she's terminally ill with cancer. That's, that's where I have to draw the line. And let's also give out a brain damage award to John McCain, uh, a ranting lunatic continues to represent the state of uh, Arizona. He, of course, has uh, gotten himself into the foreign policy debate of the d the day, the, no, the no-fly zone debate, uh, war with Libya, uh, all this uh, hawkish talk that, of course, the Fox News Network is uh, advocating pretty much on a nightly basis at this point. And I'll take McCain seriously when I, when I hear some specifics about how much he wants to raise taxes uh, in the United States to pay for a third war uh, in the uh, Middle East. Well, I'm sure in his damaged perspective on uh, the situation, this is, uh, you know, in theory, what Iraq was supposed to be, an easy victory. You just kind of go in, they welcome you, and... The war will pay for itself. Whoop-de-doo, uh, democracy, uh, democracy ho. And it'll pay for itself, yeah. right? All that nice rich oil down there. Uh, much of which is locked up in Italian corporate interests. Um, this is a delusion. This is a fantasy. Clearly, uh, this is not within the realm of the possible, let alone the affordable. And even the suggestion of a no-fly zone has raised serious concerns with Turkey, our ostensible ally in the mm -hmm. region, and Russia. Yeah, and it's interesting that the Europeans are pretty much telling America publicly to just kind of cool it. Let's not overreact here. I mean, let's remember that more people are dying in Ciudad Juarez, uh, just miles from the Rio Grande uh, American border, 
down there in Mexico, that in Afghanistan, in these drug-related mm. murders, uh, there are atrocities occurring all over the globe. This is in no way, shape, or form a defense of Gaddafi. But as we accurately predicted and noted two weeks ago, that this was basically an impending civil war, and that's what's going on. Now, there are certainly refugee problems and uh, humanitarian issues that affect the region and the world at large, and it is appropriate that there continue to be more multilateral and international discussions about what to do. But it's uh, very odd when you hear senators advocating the no-fly zone without talking about any of the real consequences and in opposition to the actual Joint Chiefs of Staff. The Defense Secretary, Robert Gates, of all people, you know, an old handy hack from uh, the Iran-Contra era and Bill Casey and, you know, worked for Bush Bush 1 as well as Bush 2. Now, Gates, in my opinion, has emerged as a surprisingly effective Secretary of Defense compared to some of his predecessors, <laughs> notably... The immediate predecessor. Rame, you big dummy. <laughs> and, of course, he's been out and about. He's on a book tour. On his book tour. Oh, yeah. And he's got all kinds of fascinating things to say about everything. And I was always Have you looking... skimmed through that tome yet? Haven't not, but I always was looking forward to the uh, uh, Rumsfeld memoirs to get an idea of uh, what the real... Uh, what, 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 I don't think that Rumsfeld is dishonest. I think that he's delusional. <laughs> I think that the people that he, that he was kind of fighting with within the administration were the dishonest ones. And it's fascinating that he's even willing to admit... I did see an interview, part of an interview with Brian Lamb on C-SPAN, uh, but he's willing to actually admit that they took uh, Colin Powell, uh, you know, on a leash to put him before the U.N. Mm. Why? Because he had more credibility than anybody else in the Bush administration to sell the Iraq war to the world at large, to the American people. At least he had credibility up until that point. Yes. <laughs> And needless to say, there was no uh, real discussion back in 2002. Uh, actually, the earliest hawks, besides the project for the New American Se Century, which Rumsfeld conveniently omits uh, from the historical record, that he signed that document in 1998, along with Dick Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, Richard Pearl, um, Mr. Fife. Uh, all sorts of people that ended up in the Bush administration with very prominent roles in the disastrous invasion of Iraq, which, of course, has cost, as critics predicted, uh, literally uh, trillions of dollars. Where I think uh, the official number right now is something like $780 billion, but uh, the costs are, are even higher than that. And, uh, well, and it continues to hemorrhage. No talk of that in relationship to these trivial budget cuts cuts that are going on in the congressional debate right now about the the uh you know the, the remainder of the fiscal year regarding these continuing resolutions and uh oh you know going after the corporation for public broadcasting planned parenthood you know it's going to save uh well, when you say $70 million or something. Trivial budget cuts. <laughs> th those are, of course, not trivial to organizations and yeah. government programs, of course, that need these meager funds, but trivial with concern to the relative amounts that the government freely spends, sometimes blindly spends, oh, yes. on uh, a vast panoply of uh, delusional interests around the world. And let's remember the Pentagon has not passed a 
uh, official government audit uh, dating back to the Reagan years. Reagan, of course, the right-wing uh, hero of our era. He's uh, brought up at every instance. Uh, Newt Gingrich has <laughs> been mentioning his name repeatedly in recent weeks, as well as Huckabee. And I think John McCain has sort of realized that he's already out to pasture, so we don't need to worry about him entering the presidential race. But uh, I don't know, Charlie Sheen... <laughs> <laughs> He could energize. May that, have uh, an exp- exploration committee to explore the possibility. Becoming the most special person. You know, Newt Gingrich is a master at raising money for himself. <laughs> what amazing stuff. But uh, the madness in America goes on. And, you know, when you start hearing the right wing uh, propaganda machine that American credibility is at stake with the no-fly zone and, you know, regarding the... The actions uh, to be taken against Gaddafi, these are the same uh, nonsensical ideas that uh, emanated during the Vietnam War. So I'm not predicting any sort of catastrophic military confrontation with Gaddafi because, let's face it, he's got an aged uh, Soviet uh, military force of MiGs and some attack helicopters. He's obviously... Uh, far better armed than some of the rebels, but uh, quote unquote. But uh, his days are numbered. I mean, his days no are no way around that. His days are numbered, Even but as it stands at the moment, you know, it, at some point there will be some sort of intervention. But it's uh, it's interesting that the Arab League, for instance, is continuing to publicly uh, downplay the idea of military force uh, in. Uh, Libya and of course China and Russia will in the Security Council uh, perhaps abstain but they're not going to vote uh, in favor of anything like this because if you set a precedence for Libya for military intervention in the quote unquote internal affairs of another nation which is always the Chinese position um, where does it end and of course where does it begin why are the atrocities in Libya worse than what's going on in the Congo or what, you know, where an estimated 4 million people have died in the last decade. Darfur, uh, Burma, uh, we saw um, crowds attacked in the uh, Ivory Coast mm-hmm. just a couple of days ago in uh, similar uh, state-sponsored violence against uh, peaceful demonstrators. The situation is obviously a catastrophe from a humanitarian perspective because people that are fleeing Libya are primarily migrant workers. Uh, If there was one redeeming thing that Gaddafi had going for him, he employed a lot of foreign people that they brought in for uh, work in these oil fields and whatnot. And this has created a refugee problem in both Tunisia and Egypt Mm -hmm. that, of course, are already somewhat unstable situations. This idea that, uh, you know, the Twitter revolution has magically created democracy in Egypt and or Tunisia is... Far from over. Far from over. You know, we're... Um, uh, We're still waiting to see which side wins, as John Adams says. (laughs) That's the second president of the United States, not the uh, Cleveland Indian (laughs) fan that bangs the drums out in the the center field bleachers. (laughs) Uh, Well, you mentioned madness and delusion, and you spoke a few minutes ago about Robert Gates, but I'm not sure a lot of people heard the quote that he said while speaking to uh, the students at West Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fairly remarkable statement, and it's quoted by Richard McGregor in his Global Insight column, March 4th, in the Financial Times. 
A U.S. Defense Secretary mounted the podium at U.S. Military Academy in West Point, New York, to make a surprising declaration. Robert Gates said that any future defense secretary who advised the president to send a big U.S. land army to Asia, the Middle East, or Africa, quote, should have his head examined. Ah, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> As General MacArthur so delicately put it. Yes. Well... This is true. Yeah. And it's refreshing. Now, of course, later he, you know, mildly retracts from that, saying that, oh, my real intent was to force the army to focus on how to fight new kinds of wars. Uh, but this really speaks to uh, the uh, McGregor's piece here is called uh, entitled U.S. Loses Its Appetite for Job as the World's Policeman. And he closes with this observation. Whatever message he wanted to send, Mr. Gates probably knows better than anyone that the U.S. is not just less able to be the world's policeman. The country and its people have, for the moment, lost all appetite for the job as well. To which I, and no doubt many listeners, would say, finally, what a delusion America has uh, imposed upon itself by considering itself to be the arbiter of justice in the world. And now yeah. we have used our power and our wealth to uh, help beleaguered nations and uh though that's part of the bu part of the budget that the republicans want that's cut. the part they want to cut right but uh <laughs> to save some you know a billion here and a billion there but it, it's that's actually some of the beneficial government spending at the end of the day and we should hasten to add by the way that america is the least generous uh of the major industrialized countries of, of the world in doling out quote-unquote foreign aid Gates strikes me as an interesting personality just simply because there is a kind of almost a history repeating itself. Uh, the resemblance uh, to him and McNamara is striking. And his memoirs may be very interesting. <laughs> just I'm curious to know what he uh, is ever going to say about the truth about the Iran-Contra affair. But, you know, it's this, it's this sort of internal catharsis that's going on, you know, where McNamara became disillusioned with the Vietnam War, realizing that the numbers and the, the empiricism that he believed so uh, oh, devote, devotely in uh, as, as a sort of mathematical uh, genius of sorts, because Rumsfeld's original, I mean, uh, McNamara's original beginning, uh, as we learn from the fabulous documentary, The Fog of War, mm was basically a number cruncher for uh, Curtis LeMay and the firebombing of Tokyo in World War II. He was the one that came up with the uh, the number crunching that showed how effective the American military force was in uh, wiping out uh, cities the size of Cleveland and uh, San Antonio. There's that very vivid um, scene in the movie where they flash onto the screen uh, American cities, this the size of Japanese cities that were essentially wiped out with firebombing because uh, the the Japanese cities were built with wood mm. so much. So once the incendiary bombs hit, uh, the place went up in flame. And uh, needless to say, the Japanese fire department uh, did not have collective bargaining, which uh, may be a bad joke, but I think is relevant to the situation that's going Indeed. on. Here uh, in America regarding budget cuts and whatnot. And, of course, it's interesting, the connection between Libya and uh, and uh, um, Italy, which, of course, uh, has their own beleaguered mm -hmm. madman in charge. He's a billionaire with a 
woman problem, corruption problem, and all sorts of mischievous things. I'm starting to wonder a little bit about that. Berlusconi has been a philanderer for decades. Yeah, yeah. And this is not a secret to anybody, but it is interesting that sort of in the advance of the uh, unsettling events in uh, Libya, um, that his own fortunes should meet such a reversal. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's as though he's being set up or something for... uh, quicker and easier removal without too much investigation of Italy's numerous corporate connections uh, with Libya. Uh, not suggesting that there's anything there. Berlusconi's a scumbag in a number of different ways, but uh, it is interesting, the, the timing on that. Yeah, and it's interesting in an article in Sunday's uh, New York Times that documents some of this uh, these connections. I'll just read a, a paragraph or two uh, with the uh, opening from a uh, member of the center-left opposition uh, who sits in the uh, Italian Senate who stated, France has Tunisia, Spain, Morocco, and Italy, Libya. Uh, They talk about the economic ties, and they note that Libya, through the Libyan Investment Authority and the Libyan Central Bank, has a 7.6% in the Italian bank uni credit um, Libyan investors also have a 2% in the Italian aerospace and defense company uh, Finmenacancia, a less than 2% stake in Fiat, which uh, ironically is in a partnership with Chrysler here at mm-hmm. home. Uh, you've seen those uh, M&M ads about the Chrysler 200 and the Super Snaz. It's a, it's a great ad, but uh, remember that Chrysler and uh, Fiat are uh, partners here at, at home. Imported from America. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> what a great, uh, what a great phrase. Um, and it's interesting. I just happened to be wearing a, a a cowboy stamp block from many decades ago. Legends of the West. Oh, twenty nine cent stamps. So. So it shows the twenty nine cent stamps. That gives you an idea of the inflation. This T shirt's probably about ten years old. <laughs> but I wanted to very briefly talk a little bit about the gas price situation here in the United States. Because this has everybody up in arms, you know. Uh, gas prices are skyrocketing, says Wolf Blitzer, down in the Situation Room. Uh, I want to p- put a little bit of perspective on these numbers because they, they've gone up, but they are uh, percentage-wise they've gone up. But I want to give you a little bit of an idea on the, the kind of the fundamentals there. If you drive about 200 miles a week, and your car gets 20 miles to the gallon, we'll keep the numbers real simple here. You have to buy 10 gallons worth of gas. And if gas is $3 a gallon, that costs you $30 a week. If gas is $3.50 a gallon, which is a 50% you know, a fifty cent increase, mm. much higher than is actually taking place thus far, you're spending $35 a week. Over the course of the month, you're spending $20 more a month on your gas consumption. Now that's just assumed. Those are those are sort of rough estimates. That probably assumes a, a commute of say ten miles a day, maybe uh, uh, twenty miles a day to get to work. Maybe that's a hundred. Then you've got to do some miscellaneous errands. Uh, this is not a cause for panic, or you know the way the media tries to overblow this. Now, if you're living in Montana and have to commute four hundred miles a day, that's different. But uh, $20 a month, you know, that basically is uh, a movie out at uh, the Cineplex with Honey Bunny. 
So get the numbers in perspective. Yeah, you may not be able to go to that one movie a month to compensate for the gas prices. And it seems like a huge increase because, indeed, prices have gone up something like 35 to 40 cents a gallon. And I've even heard reports that it's close to $4 a gallon out in California, which is probably a higher increase because they have to use a special blend of gas, blah, blah, blah. But let's not panic here. But let's also remember that gas prices, we see them everywhere we go in the United States of America because of the ubiquitousness of gas stations. It's part of the landscape uh, through which we pass. But don't buy your milk at the gas station, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Don't mean to sound like Colbert. Go to the supermarket. It's much cheaper there. And And you can economize. You can make some real adjustments in some of your marginal uh, consumption of gasoline if you own a vehicle. It's not the end of the world. $20 a month, that's 200 miles a week. And if you have a car that gets uh, considerably better than that, obviously we're talking about even less money involved. It's not the end of the world. It might seem like it, and the media may tell you that it's the end of the world, but it's not. Well, it's become one of those standards by which we measure our buying power yeah. and our paychecks and so forth, like the price of milk, which Bush the first famously didn't know what yeah. the prices of groceries were, and that really hurt him. Wow, they're scanning it across. Whoa, it's like magic. What's Dude, a scanner? You've <laughs> never been to a grocery store before? Um, Governor Rick will tell you all about the scanners. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <clears throat> But uh, gas prices, uh, sure, they've gone up since uh, back in the 60s when it was uh, under 50 cents a gallon and so forth. And a lot of it has been a complete corporate hose job and continues to be so. Uh, The talk of uh, political instability in Libya, you know, finds a 5, 10 cent, 15 cent uh, rise in the gas price seemingly overnight, even though our gas doesn't come from Libyan oil. Most of that stuff is shipped to and used in Europe. Um, that having been said, uh, our gas prices are still, relatively speaking, the cheapest in the world. They are. Because of the taxes. And, of course, Americans are loath to pay taxes, some more loath than others. And let's also remember real quickly that despite the, quote, unrest in the Middle East, a lot of the, the rise in the gas prices is actually being caused by Wall Street speculators right. once again. This is this horrendous thing that goes on globally with with the so-called markets and the quote-unquote free enterprise system. We've already been assured by King Abdullah, who was uh, recently abroad getting medical tests all over the world, apparently. Not too sure what's wrong with him. I think it's the dye in the beard maybe having some problem with uh, his hemorrhoids or something. He seems to be getting tests everywhere, and he's been gone for... We, We mentioned last week that he has has bequeathed what thirty eight billion dollars to the people of Saudi Arabia? Yeah, thirty six billion. Yeah, to uh, quell the uh, the unrest. So <laughs> it's 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 amazing stuff. But uh, the, well, there's the, been instability on and off in the Middle East. Let's let's face it. Yeah, uh, the twentieth century <laughs> for the twentieth century, and of course, as uh, the uh, opposition uh, leader stated, you know, France has Tunisia, Spain has Morocco, and Italy, Libya. Well, yeah. Yep. France and Britain have a lot of other places. Indeed. And the United States is in this bizarre uh, mania to uh, inherit the obligations of the British Empire. And uh, the imperialists on Fox News Network that keep saying Obama needs to do more. Well, no, I actually think he needs to do less. 
less government. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the mantra, uh, but not necessarily here at WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yes, less government, more engineering. So we always like to thank <laughs> of course, Andrew. we are licensed through the University of Michigan. I always like to thank Andrew for engineering down here on Gray Matters. Um, so... Uh, didn't get around to the unemployment rate in detail, but maybe like we, we might have a little bit of extra time. Maybe we can get to that next week because it's a kind of an interesting story how uh, there is continuing to be minor, minor improvement in the job picture here in the United States. But to counteract this, uh, these uh, 